welcome back to another episode of JP and the Beanstalk. Roadhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> just, I'm only saying that because I just saw that apparently there's a freaking Roadhouse remake that is being released on uh, Amazon Prime. I'm like, that's just a remake we don't need. Well, that makes sense of where the release Leave is. Leave Patrick Swayze be. He, God bless him. He's dead. He's, he's dead. Like, leave he's the been classic. dead. <laughs> leave the classic untouched. Been Jake Gyllenhaal? Like, you're, you're kidding me with this crap. Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, listen, I understand the guy has put in the work to, you know, to get in shape. I get that. But he just doesn't have the right face. He's just too soft of a face. Too gentle. I just don't buy it. And I know he's been in plenty of physical roles, but not once have I found it believable. You're saying Patrick Swayze's a little bit more rugged? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got more edge to him. He had the freaking mullet! You want to know what it is? It's the jawline. Yes? Swayze had the jawline. Jawline of a freaking just stone statue. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's incredible. And Jake, it's like, no, you just look like someone that, you know, would offer you a hug when you're down. And that's a great quality to have. It's a great quality to have, but you're not Patrick Swayze. You can't rip a dude's throat out. No. You look look like a guy that would trick Spider-Man into stealing his sunglasses and then trying to blow people up with robots because you're too afraid to fight hand to hand. So you're going to use mirages. It's almost like they did that. I don't know, though. Ooh, they did it. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he was fantastic. I was, I'm not worried. No, great as Mysterio. Truly. Like, no, he was. Fake role. He was great. For Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, whatever. Energy's great in the gym. We're here. We're rolling. I'm bamboozled by Jake Gyllenhaal, but God bless him. You seem like a sweet guy. I'm sorry to rag on you. Beans, it's great to be here. I'm excited to to pot with you once again. The uh, the movie uh, well has run dry, but our creative minds flow forevermore. Uh, it's going to be dry for a while. It's going to be a pretty barren landscape it, for a bit. It's going to be the desert. We are mm-hmm. we are the chosen people. Moses is trying to get to the promised land, but it's going to be forty years. Ouch. Okay, that's going to be a piece. Is what you're saying? That's fair. That's fair. Well. Nonetheless, we will bring the manna from frickin' heaven down on a semi-weekly basis. And we will complain all the way. Fair. About what we get. Because the manna isn't necessary. It's manna. It's the same. It's the same It's the same thing every day. (laughs) It is. Well, there's been... You know, let's just t- let's just touch on some news and notes, some really exciting pieces before we get into the meat of the episode. So you're going to talk, obviously, about the Spider-Man 2 game that you just finished that's exciting we're going to hit some of our classic segments such as the c-list hero or villain of the week the uh new segment that i'm going to bring to the table is going to be a fantastic four update of the week i have been just head deep just soaking in jonathan hickman's fantastic four fantastic four run uh it's been incredible i have loved every second of it and so i think with as meaty as it is it makes sense to take a chunk of the story and just go through it every podcast just to get us hyped up for that Fantastic Four movie that someday, someday will come out. But just reading Hickman's run has me excited for that movie. We'll hit another classic JP and the Beans top five. And of course we will. 
So there's all kinds of good things. And on we the had a dumb power too. Don't oh forget. boy, and a dumb power. That's what a joy to highlight That's a new those. One. That is a new one. That is a new one. But before we get into all that, you know, we are excited because the news around the again sometime down the road Daredevil Born Again show continues to be very positive. They are bringing back our boy Bullseye from season three. So that is fan-freaking-tastic. Wilson Bethel, not a great name, quite frankly. He looks like a bullseye, though. But he was tremendous. (laughs) He looks psychotic. (laughs) Yep, he pulled it off very well. Still haven't seen it yet? Yep. Yep, you still have to take in season three, but you uh, which you treat we yourself. will pursue. That's right. Part that's part of the reason we're bringing this up is we are going to review seasons one, two, and three of Daredevil on the pod because why not retread that beautiful, beautiful earth? I think we should. I think we should too. Yeah, it's time. It's time for a refresher. Well, and it sounds you know it sounds as though John Bernthal is going to be brought back in his role as the Punisher. I don't think that's a Official? No, I think yet. it's official. Have they made it official? I'm 98% sure it's official. Okay. I'm 2% let, doubting, let, but I want to believe. I will Google while you continue speaking. But truly, like, what a what a delight that those characters, and not just those characters, but the story that we were given through those Netflix series, uh, it's, it's being restored. And that's a gift that I didn't think we were ever going to get, but... Thanks in no small part to Wilson Fisk's role in Echo, which again, much better than I expected it to be. Uh, I think it just added validity to the fact that, hey, these ground level characters, whether they be hero, anti-hero, heck, even villain, they're worth spending time with. So it's very exciting to, uh, yeah, to see this, call it sub-universe of sorts, get restored. As of March Mm-hmm. 2023, mm-hmm. John Bernathal has been confirmed wow. to be coming back as the Punisher. Wow, okay. He is coming. Okay. Everybody watch out. Also, I've heard Luke uh, Cage and Jessica Jones are rumored to also appear. I'd be, I'd be all for that. So, all for I am also all for it. I think that's great. Yep. So. And it seems as though the folks they've got uh, in the leadership seats uh, are the right... Are the right ones to have as well. Agreed. So they've they've brought in some of that Loki, some of that Loki crew. So that's pretty fantastic because obviously they uh, they crushed it, and so to have to have that group driving the uh, you know driving the bus so to speak for Daredevil and the rest of those characters, that's uh, very exciting. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very very exciting. So. Any other news and notes you wanted to hit on real quick? Those no, were the, there's not a lot, but those were positive, so I didn't want to move on without uh, without highlighting those those positives. No, I think we're good. Okay, so beans, we're gonna start uh, we're gonna start the meat of the podcast by me putting you on the spot with a question that you don't know is coming. Oh, I forgot to. Yeah. You know what? Yep. I also forgot to form a question for you, so okay. I apologize. No, that's okay. This was great. Uh, you won't be able to reciprocate, and that's wonderful. No, I totally it's totally hey, one sided. Wait, literally one ear out the other. I was like, oh, yeah, I can form a question. And I was like, focus on getting all this other stuff. Nah. Yeah, other stuff, two things. No. And sometimes, See, that's stuff. That's stuff I know, but sometimes it's more than okay. one. I will say this that damn audio mixer has been my living hell. So I blame that it is for not having a question. And yet you will, you will scale that wrist. 
Okay, here you go. So Beans, question for you. Who in all of the, the movies and shows that we've that we've had in the last, well, just say your lifetime. Okay, so we'll go pretty broad here. Who among all of the super heroines or perhaps villainesses oh, no. have you found most attractive? That's right, you're on the spot. Who has been your girl, Beans? Oh God, Ben. Oh, I feel like she's going to say a lot about me. That's fine. Um, That's it should. We're trying to get to know Beans even better. This is great. Did you say She-Hulk were done? No, 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 no. I'm trying to think of, like, all all the women. I will tell you right now, neither one of the MJs. Okay, we have not had a knockout Mary Jane. We haven't. Okay, Okay. I'm just going to throw that out there. I can also tell you... you because Kirsten Dunst... She's okay. Different times. Okay. Different times. Yeah. All right. Anyways. All right. Uh, I go to X Men, mm-hmm. and I'm not coming up with anything. Halle Berry, mm-hmm. not bad. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. So she's taking the lead there as the X Men. Yeah. But as I'm thinking, MCU mm-hmm. two come to mind for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Peggy Carter. I totally, I totally get why he went back. Oh yeah, uh, and Florence Pugh. I actually yeah. fell in love with Florence Pugh. Yeah. Um, in Black Widow, she's the only good thing about it. Uh, I'm just trying Two to think choices. Yeah, Two great choices. Um, oh man, I'm trying to think of like very fiery personalities, right? A lot of drive there. Yeah, it's in both big, cases. Yes, that's uh, yeah, that's a weakness for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of other movies too. Is like, man, that's the hardest part. Um, let's see here. Just, I'm just trying to. There's so many options. Listen, Peggy and Yelena are great, great choices. I'm gonna stick with that for now. That's great. That's phenomenal. But yes, it's kind of the strong personality that really draws you in. And Jessica Alba, Invisible Woman. A hundred percent. There you go. That's, that's a, a pull. Nice, that's a nice That's pull. a great that's pull. A nice pull that was you. her in her prime. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, so those are the three that come to mind. But yes, accents yeah. get me. Accents get me every time. How can they not? So. Yeah, that's a common theme for both Peggy and Yelena. I know. Different accents, but also, obviously, different characters. So that's just funny. Yeah. The British accents is up there for me. I'm literally, I'm, I'm like, it's it's like I know I'm missing one, and it will eat me alive later. You can always come back to it. Always, just watch me just yell out a random woman's name throughout the entirety of this podcast. I'll do it too. I don't even care. Um, That's great. No, those are good, really strong choices. It's good to know a little bit more about you. Like what, uh, what really tripped the trigger there? That's wonderful. Strong personalities and mm-hmm. accents mm-hmm. slash speaking another language. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. No. Good on you. Well, that's great. Okay. Well, Beans, without further ado, since you just slammed on MJ real hard, let's get into some uh, MJ adjacent talk with Spider-Man 2 on the PS5. You just recently got through the game. Approximately how many hours? Just curious, like, does it take to get through a game like that? I'm so out of the gaming loop. 
Oh God, you're putting me on the spot. Yeah, and, and just like broad brush here. So total approximately. I mean, it's not a short amount of time. I know. I know. I want to say twenty hours is undermining it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'm just gonna check real quick. Because games anymore are just so expansive, right? It's not <laughs> like I'll give you a little context here. I am. I'm playing the Super Nintendo Donkey Kong Country with Wesley every once in a while on oh, the yeah. weekends. And it's just hilarious how, I mean, literally, of course, two-dimensional that game is, right? Like, you go from left, right, that's the world. And then the games that are really wild, you can go back. Right, right, right. To left. But there was a time when in those games, no, as soon as you had parted an area going left to right, you couldn't go back. You're done. You just got to keep going. And uh, and since that was like my youth and my childhood growing up, how games were designed, it's it sound makes me sound so old to say, but it still like surprises me every time there's a little bit, not so much surprise, but just amazes me every time that there's this open world kind of concept game. Like that's just incredible. And that's normal for most people that are playing games. To me, that's still like I still have old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games in my mind. And Mario Brothers games where it's just nope, left to right, there you go. So it's it's incredible. We've clearly come a long way. Oh, yeah, is the for point. Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> a long uh, way. I was gonna guess twenty hours, mm-hmm. and my guess is probably right. Yep. So they yep. said fifteen to eighteen on average for their main story, and okay. twenty four to twenty eight for to a hundred percent. Um, I have not a hundred percent of it. I am close. I have a couple of side missions stuff right. left. Right. Um with miles uh but yes so that's great lots and lots of time invested yeah uh okay what are some of the highlights highlights for this game uh just the fresh takes on everybody Mm -hmm. i think i think that's probably the highlight throughout this entire insomniac universe yeah uh and this is the second game in the insomniac universe technically third so they did They did Spider-Man, and then they did Spider-Man Miles Morales, gotcha. which was like a Spider-Man bonus, like, interesting side story yeah. kind of thing with Miles, yeah. which is still great. Yeah. And then Spider-Man 2, where you're playing Peter and Miles, and you're yeah. switching throughout the story, and you can switch whenever you want. Yeah. Um, but I, obviously, Miles is a lot more fun because he can turn invisible, and he can electrocute people. You can't do that with Peter. Now, on the contrary, Peter that gets... Was- Peter gets the symbiote suit in this, right. so he gets the symbiote powers. So, to each their own. Okay. But there are a lot of good twists, and uh, that's that's what I like. I, I right. personally like takes on the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, that's nice when, like, we talked about this on the previous podcast with alternate take, uh, you know, comic stories where the where the author is able to maintain the core of that character but put just the right you know enough of a twist where it provides a fresh you know a fresh take fresh perspective on that character that's pretty fantastic so and i'll talk about a few characters and it won't just be from spider-man 2 but just to like kind of flesh out the alternate takes so spoilers ahead of course um if you're gonna play the video games so from uh spider-man 1 uh they really do Big favors for Mr. Negative. Yeah. They make him one of the focal points of the game. He's the second big boss. Yep. Uh, 
he has like this history with Norman Osborn. Norman Osborn is the reason why he gets his superpowers and the the reason for the death of his parents. Uh, and so he's like, I'm going to kill Norman Osborn. So because Osborn like trying to develop some kind of superhuman serum at this point. No. So where Norman is at, Norman is not a bad guy yet. Okay. Like he does some shady business deals sure, and stuff, and sure. like does some things that he shouldn't. Right. But, he's not this outright villain. Right. And yep. but his motivations are: Harry loses his mom. Okay. When he's in high school. Okay. So she battled this disease for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So he's doing everything in his power to try to come up with a cure. Right. Uh can't find one. Okay. Harry also has the same disease. So he's trying to yeah, cure yeah. Harry throughout the entire first right. one, right? Right. So that starts with that. And then you have the building of the Sinister Six, and you, and you watch Otto Octavius become Dr. Octopus. Mm-hmm. I think it's even more tragic than in Spider-Man 2, the movie, right. um, because right. you spend more time with him. You actually see the... This guy's like trying to help the world, right? But he's starting right. to lose. He has these altruistic motives, but he's just losing his humanity behind it, right? And he's yeah. also losing like his limbs. Mm. So, like this sure. version of Otto, yeah. the reason he's building the arms, right, is to so he can still move that around function. when he goes full on <laughs> quadriplegic, right? Um, and yeah, that's true. that's the one thing he's trying not to lose, and with yeah. that loses his sanity. And he also goes after Norman because he originally worked for Norman, sure. and then Norman screwed him and fired him, and so he's like working out of this like base of like the smaller yeah yeah science thing. And Peter's like his intern, so Peter's like trying to help him get right. to that point. Um, and so that's kind of the first game. Miles gets his powers at the end. Uh, Miles exactly. loses. Miles loses his dad to Mr. Negative. So Mr. Negative becomes his like green goblin essentially. Right. right. Um, and then you go to Miles Morales game. Uh he's dealing with Roxon and he's dealing with the Tinkerer. Now, if you remember the Tinkerer, he's this old yep. guy that just kind of supplies villains with superpowers. Right. He looks like a shriveled up Ebenezer Scrooge, but he just exactly he suits up supervillains. Right. So yep. this version of the Tinkerer is one of Miles' best friends growing up. And she is a black girl now mm-hmm. and she's like reading she's leading this underground revolution group yep. trying to take the technology out of the out of Roxxon's hands and then right. use it for their own gain essentially mm. right so it's like this super powered gang or whatever and so that's kind of where that leads and then he dies as well does in these games yes. So and that's she. That's mainly the the focus in that one. There's right. not too many other. A prowler, sure. prowler obviously comes sure. in and plays a big part. He plays a big part in the second one too. Um, but Spider Man two, two villains: Craven the Hunter, Venom. Craven is badass in this. Right. They did him nothing but favors. Mm-hmm. He kills off the Scorpion, kills off Vulture, kills off Shocker. Really uh, like does he kill them just for the thrill of the hunt? He, or are they just getting in his way? Like, what, what's his motive for killing those particular villains rather than, like, partnering with them, So example? It's kind of like The Last Hunt. Yeah. In the sense of The Last Hunt, he's he goes after Spider-Man because right. he's trying to, like, 
find something that's that is, challenging that right? can actually take him out. Sure. Because the way that he was raised in his family yeah. is that he's going to kill everything. And the hmm. only way he is going to die is in the heat of the hunt. Okay. So he's either going to get taken out by stronger thing. He has cancer. He can't cure his cancer. Yep. He knows he's going to die soon. Yep. So this guy is desperate to find something to kill him because he does not want to go out with the cancer. Right. So he comes into New York. He challenges all these villains, et cetera, et cetera. Comes in. Symbiote gets involved. Harry comes back. Okay. And that was the way that Norman found that cured Harry of his sickness because sure. that's what the symbiote does. Sure. You remember Venom, yep. Tom Hardy. Right, right. He has his cancer. The symbiote yep. comes in, it cures the cancer. Yep. Does the same thing for him. Uh and then Craven stabs Peter in the chest. And I thought he was gonna die. And he technically does die. The symbiote comes in, saves Peter's life. He comes back, tries to give Harry the symbiote back. The symbiote won't leave. And then you start to see this slow turn yep. in Peter throughout the yep. story until finally Miles is able to get it off of him. Okay. Um, but they capture it. Harry gets a hold of it again, but full on Venom. So Harry Osborne is this universe's Venom. It's not Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock right. is not involved not even a all. Factor. Okay. Right. So, you know, he goes on a rampage, yep. tries to take over the earth, like turning everybody into symbionts. Everybody's <laughs> sim- symbiotic. Yeah. And then uh, one of the really fascinating turns in this is they actually make Peter the anti-venom. Hmm. So if you, you've seen that storyline at all, there's, there's one story called Spider Island in the yep. comics. Yep. So everybody gets Spider-Man powers, right? And the only way to cure it is Eddie Brock when he turns into anti-venom, yeah. And he has this interaction with Mister Negative, yeah. So instead of that, they're like, "Hey, the symbiote is still kind of in you," yeah. Which, if you've heard anything with King of Black, that's kind of the storyline: is that yeah. the symbiote host still always leaves a little bit peace. So there's those people are still tied to the hive, yeah, yeah. Same same thing kind of happens. Fascinating. He gets the anti-venom, beats venom, cures him, whatever. So that's kind of the main story for that. Right. They hint at the end of it that uh, Norman and Otto are going to team back up again. Because Norman is like, we're going to kill the Spider-Men because they said they would save my son. Instead, he's just in a coma now and he's worse off than he was before. So does Harry, like, by the time that he is separated from the Venom symbiote, is he still stricken with the same disease, or is he just in a coma because of the battle, like, with the Spider-Men? Both. Yeah. So he actually does die for a little bit until Miles brings him back with his electrical powers. Fancy dancy. So uh, they actually hint... Miles just a walking defibrillator. Right. So (laughs) they talk... So once they find out the symbiote is the symbiote, right? They are trying. And by the way, Kurt Connors is in there. Mm-hmm. Most full lizard. Craven turns him back into the lizard. Wild. This version of the lizard, most Whoa, badass. He's freaking huge. Most badass version of the lizard. Period. 
Right. That's the lizard that I want to see from now on. The yeah. duties. Yeah. Insane. Like, you know, spikes all over his back, right? Yeah. What I saw on well, YouTube. There's like literally this one really scary scene when they first introduce him. Yeah. Is he's like at this fish market, right? And so he's eating. He's getting bigger, right? And so this is not the first time Kirk Connors has turned into the lizard. Mm. Okay. But this iteration, Craven okay. met modified it. That's the word I wanted. Right. Modifies it so it would make him stronger nice. when he turns. Nice. And so when they open up like this like garage stall or whatever, it's just a shedded skin. And they're like, oh no. So it's fantastic. That's great. But yeah, throughout the whole thing, after they find out he's an alien, Norman hints that he's trying to come up with a different yep. uh option to save Harry. Yeah. And uh at the end he's like, go grab the G serum, which goblin serum. Pretty easy to draw so, those connections. Yes, he's yes. going full green goblin in the yep. third one, which I'm yep. super excited for. Yeah. Sounds like uh Doc Ock is returning as well. Uh the only downside mm-hmm. is is like Peter's kind of semi retiring for a little sure. bit. So Miles sure. is gonna be the main kind focus of the, of the third one, which is fine. Yeah. I just I would. I liked it better when you were Miles and Peter, sure, and they were working together. That sure. felt a lot better. Mm. Um, but Miles is going to be the focus of the third one, and yeah. I know they've hinted at a Venom spinoff game for it as well. Sure. They're also doing Wolverine, but uh, yeah. And then there's another storyline with Cletus Cassidy. Yeah, he doesn't go Carnage. Yeah. He gets the Carnage symbiote. Like that's the whole storyline of that. So we'll probably get Carnage in the third one. Right. Or that's for the Venom movie. Yeah. But, yeah. Each character really has a really cool story arc. Yeah. Did you feel like they rushed any of the uh any of the villains, right? Where the villain's just there, you battle them, it's over. You're like, well, I wish we would have had more time with that villain. Yes and no. I mean so the first game, he's been Spider-Man for 10 years. Mm. So he's already established. He's yep. already fought the Vulture before. Sure. He's already fought the Rhino before. Yep. Like By Sister Six gallery. becomes, yes, yep. there because whatever. So you don't really miss out on like electric, like you fight them, but you're not like wanting more from them. Gotcha. I think they do a really good job at like making the ones that they choose to. Yep. Like more sympathetic, like sure. Sandman. You fight. Sure, they're actually fleshing the villains out, so it's not just black and white. Hey, bad guy, no duh. There's actually some true motivation behind their actions, right? Like yeah. Otto Prime is a good example. Sandman's a great example because mm. he's the he's the big okay. boss battle first. You're fighting Sandman. He goes berserk, and you're trying to figure out why. You later on find out that first of all, he's been trying to. Like, not ever be Sandman again. Like, he's like, yep. I don't want to be Sandman. I yep. know if I go Sandman, I'll go crazy. Right. Like, he's been trying. He's got a daughter. Mm-hmm. And he goes crazy because Craven gets involved. Yep. Tries to get him to fight him. Yep. Takes his, tries to take his daughter. So he, like, freaks yep. out because he's like, I'm going to do whatever I can to protect my, my kid. Yep. And, like, you don't get that really out of anything right. else. Maybe Spider-Man 3. Right. I think they do a good job at redeeming Flint. In that, I agree. So, yeah, with those characters that they choose to work on, they really flesh out. Right. I think, I think some of them they're like, like Scorpion, for example. They're like, 
we're not going to give this guy a whole right. lot of time. Like they, like <laughs> they still hint at like him having pretty much the same origin as normal. Yeah, where Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson, invests all this money. Sure, finding somebody who can take Spider Man out for good, and then takes JJ. They pick what a, a guy. right. They pick a scorpion because that's the natural enemy to the spider. And then the dude gets trapped in the suit and loses a shit. So I th- I'm pretty sure that's no still consistent. That yeah, but so hmm. yes, I would say they do a great job yeah. of fletching those out, and I think they do a great job of taking characters that I don't give a crap about beforehand hmm. and actually giving a crap. Sure, seeing what they do, like yeah. they they uh, hint at silk. In okay. this next one, okay. she's she was also bit by the same spider as Peter Parker. Oh, fun fact. Okay. I'm assuming spiders double dipping. Instead of Peter, it was the same one that bit Miles hmm. because they're around the same age. It seems like gotcha. So I think they're probably changing that up a little bit. Sure, um, sure. Which and uh, That's a choice. Yes. So where was I going with that? Yeah. But yes, that's good. What uh, you know from your perspective, having played through. You've played through both the first and second game. Did you play through the Miles Morales yes, I did. game as well? Okay. So you've played through all three games so far in the Insomniac universe. What, like, is there anything that you would go, hey, this is an opportunity for improvement with those games? Or are these just be cynical, don't change a thing, keep doing what you're doing? No, because I think they do a really good job with the main story. The only thing I would maybe do is, like, have side stories, have more, like, boss fights essentially gotcha. like they kind of so they did they had a dlc for the first one yeah. and it's so funny because they turned hammerhead into this like regular hammerhead mobster guy into a legitimate cyborg like they're just Jeez. like they make him huge ginormous <laughs> cyborg right yeah so they have that little side story but yeah. like outside of that they have in this one they had the cletus cassidy side story okay. right they have um mysterio is trying to like redeem himself now. Yeah. So he has these like balloon yeah. centers across the city, but they're going haywire. So somebody's like, I think this is one of them that I haven't finished yet. But uh that's what I kind of wish they would have done more with more stuff like that with yeah. the villain. Cause yeah. they had Sandman still be involved and like you're yeah. trying to repair his memories, but all these sand people are around. Gotcha. And so you have to beat them to get his memories yes. back. Yeah. But I think that would be the only thing yeah. for me personally. Yeah. So, and we've talked about this not on you know not on podcasts before, so that's why I'm excited to talk about the game today. But Spider Man and Batman, to me, are the two. I'm sure there could be others, but to me, those are the two comic book characters that, if you're going to play a video game as that character, I think what's so unique about the gameplay for those characters is. They're obviously exceptional beings, right? Spider-Man has more of a unique physical set of physical abilities than Batman does. But there's something about... I played some of the Arkham games, and you just freaking feel like Batman when you're playing that game. And I played... I've not played these Spider-Man games, but I had my own Spider-Man game way back in the day. Uh... I think it was based off the original Spider-Man uh, movie from 2000 or 2002. And that game just gave me that same that same feeling, that same sense of, holy crap, like swinging through 
New York City with the web. It, it just it feels different than when you're trying to play. Like there's a reason there's not a lot of Superman video games, right? Right, because it just it doesn't feel there's not that same level of connection, right? And I think that's just one of the greatest things about these games. And plus. Good grief. Like, the fighting style of Spider-Man is so acrobatic, so fluid, so unique. Like, infinitely creative opportunities. Web shooters are my favorite part. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. I, I web people up all the time. Like, <laughs> I was playing the Venom boss fight, and I'm webbing I'm webbing Venom up, yep. and they're like, uh, this doesn't work on him. I'm like, I don't care. I kept using it. Because technically, you get a little bit of, like, like health oh, back that oh. way. So... Gotcha. Yeah, But I think what's great about those two specifically, and this game does a good job of it, and I'm sure the Arkham games do it, do a really good job of this too, but sure. Batman and Spider-Man try so hard in rehabilitating their villains, mm-hmm. and it's not like a, mm-hmm. it's not like an apocalypse where it's like, yeah. well, he's a lost cause. It's yeah. like Batman is trying so hard with the Joker to just get him to chill out. Yeah. Right? I think there's a great scene in the comics, and I don't know what storyline it is or whatever, mm. but Rhino kind of goes berserk. Yep. And yep. it's because uh, this guy brings his wife back, and he finds out it's not actually his wife. It's like mm. a clone, and she dies. Right. And he's right. breaking down crying because he's like, I lost her all over again. Yeah. And Pete's like, I know. I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. But like... Mm. Even in this, like... There's a level of care there that... Right. Yeah. He's fighting Otto the entire time, and the whole time he's like, you need to stop. (laughs) Like, this isn't who you are. Sure. The same with Harry. He's trying so hard to get through to Harry, but the symbiote's just too strong. Yeah. So... That's a really good observation. Really good observation. Yeah. Well, I I just think, again, I haven't played the game, but just watching... A couple of videos on YouTube so far. The other thing I'm just blown away with is just how unbelievably good the game looks. Like the graphics are. Oh my gosh! Yes. Uh, it it seriously it's it dazzles me. Like it's it's borderline lifelike, and it's while you're playing the game, right? So I remember Halo Two, the graphic level when you're playing the game is on like on a scale of you know reasonable scale of one to ten it's somewhere in that five to six range Mm -hmm. right like it's great for the game but it's clearly uh there's just an obvious disconnect that takes place in your mind it's like ah this is a game but the cutscenes in that game they did at an entirely different level like they ramped it up to an eight or nine right and so it's outrageously like cinematic and not in a negative way but it's just such a contrast and yet you fast forward you know however many years since halo 2 came out and now and the just sheer detail it's like this looks like a freaking movie while you're playing the game it, it, it just blows me away Riley. And i think that's one of the compliments to this is like even when you get into the cutscenes and stuff mm-hmm. like it doesn't feel like there's a cutoff where right. it's so much better. Like yes. it feels like it's a continuation. Yes, uh, dude, just swinging around New York City as a whole yeah. is 
so fun in this game. Right. It's insane. Right. So, and that, then they added gliding into it to, sure. to this time. Sure. And my yeah. gosh, it's Is awesome. There's like wind tunnels that you can kind of hit in between the buildings yes. to yes. coast. And here's the best part, the craziest part. So in the first one, they had fast travel, right? But they sure. would have these like loading screens. Okay. You'd be in the... Okay. You'd be in the subway, like, thinking around, <laughs> waiting to get to your next spot. And this one, you can fast travel. You're already swinging into the other location mm-hmm. as soon as you fast travel. Mm-hmm. So th- that, and that was one of the highlights for the PlayStation 5. They're like, oh, the fast travel's gone. <laughs> so you're just there. It's crazy yeah. how far we've come. Yeah, that's it's wild to me. How does, okay, so last question that I've got on this mm-hmm. on this topic how does the experience from the point of view of how immersive it feels of this kind of format feel compared to when you're, you know, reading a Spider-Man comic, watching a Spider-Man movie or show, like how does that compare? Like on like what level? Like Like, you feel, and it's just more of a, so just truly a personal preference or personal experience like, does this feel most immersive or most in the most enjoyable way to connect with the character? Ah. Is in playing the game or is it in watching the movie? Or, I mean, it's probably a yes to both, but like, what for you has felt most immersive is the word I'm using, but connected. There's perhaps a different word. Maybe there's not a perfect word. For no, it. I would, I would probably say, like, going through all the Spider Man content that I've consumed. This is probably my favorite version of the character. Sure. Hands down. And probably part of that is the video game aspect because you are the story. Like yep. you're, it's not that yep. you're watching Peter go through that you are right. Peter Parker. Right. Like you're that's the closest you'll ever be to Spider-Man mm-hmm. is this game. Mm-hmm. And so to see that him connect with all these characters, yeah. him watching Aunt May die. Yeah. She dies in the first one. And him watching right. Harry Osborn almost dies. So yeah. you watch him lose pretty much his mom. Mm-hmm. You almost his best friend. Like his best friend almost dies. Yeah. Right. So, and that's kind of like his conflict with Mary Jane in the first yeah. one. Cause they're not really together right at the gotcha. start. Sure. They like separated because he's like, I don't want her to get hurt. Yep. And which is, that's, honestly, right, move. that's a Peter. And so, <laughs> I would say, per, from a personal standpoint, I would say this is probably the most immersive yeah. that you could possibly get. Right. Um, you're also making all the decisions on whether or not you want to stop crime because yeah. they just have constant crime yeah. hitting up. Yeah. So to me, yes, yeah. I would say it's probably the most immersive. Yeah. Um, again, I think this is my favorite iteration of the character because it's different and all the... It's one of those things, right, where they take certain character and this is our one of our yep. biggest complaints about the mcu and we won't dive too deep into this because we yep. always do anyways and we hate <laughs> it so when the mcu comes along let's use flag smasher as a prime example Correct. right right they take flag smasher they're like yep. let's make flag smasher instead of being this dude that's like a nationalist for a different country right we're, we're gonna make out. It, we're gonna make it a young girl yep. and we're gonna make it super conflicting but they make her character not interesting at all Right yeah. with this, right. right? They make Otto more interesting. I think the Tinkerer, mm. that revamp of the Tinkerer, yeah, much needed. An actual legitimate 
villain, an actual legitimate fight. He's not this old cranky dude that's just supplying villains with with tech. Right. Right? It would have right. been cooler to see her actually do that and like have a deal with the vulture on the side. That would have yep. been dope. It's yep. not what she did, but yeah. That's why I'm at with it. Yeah. Well, I think there's you know, whether it's the Arkham games or from what I can gather, I think the Spider-Man games have improved even on what the Arkham games did. I think the Arkham games were a lot of fun to play because of the open world concept. The the campaigns were really enjoyable. But I don't know from just a sheer like storytelling point of view how much those games really did, right, as far right. as developing more of the Batman character and the villains. I think they were more, hey, presented, and it was an entertaining experience. But I think something that has fascinated me about, just like listening to you talk about this game, there is a real emphasis placed on, yeah, you're playing a game, but it's in a fully fleshed out and engaging story with characters that are being developed as the story progresses, right. right? So it's a living organic thing as opposed to a, you're just in the environment. The characters are all like, they're all set. Really the, those equations aren't changing. And so to make it that kind of a storytelling experience, that is, that's just kind of like next level right. connectivity in my opinion. That's, that's pretty wild. Yeah. And yeah. maybe that's, Again, I'm so disconnected from from video games. Maybe that's more normal than what I am aware of. But either way, even if it's quote-unquote normal, it's a heck of an accomplishment, I think. Well, it just makes me more excited to go grab another Insomniac game. Yep. Right? They're sure. doing Wolverine. Right. Right. I'm all over it because I want to see their yeah. take on the X-Men. I want to see their take on Wolverine's villains. I want to see their take on Wolverine, period. I don't know what they're going to do with sure. it, right? Sure. But Venom, I would love to see what they do with Venom because you get to play as Venom for just a wee bit. And oh my gosh, dude. Just by the way, as you didn't know, you, you want to know how Venom establishes himself as Venom in this universe? He eats Craven's head clean off of his body. That's a pretty good color. Oh my gosh. It's insane. And obviously they, they show it like off screen kind of. But, like, what? Right. So, oh, and they made MJ scream for a little bit. That was crazy. Mm -hmm. You fight MJ for a little while. So, now they're, like, tearjerker for Peter. He's like, I don't want to hurt her. But, right? yeah. I could keep talking about the game, but we honestly don't have to. No, that's great. Thanks for recapping that. Oh, yeah. I'm glad it was such a... I'm glad it hit the mark as far as expectations and uh, and just delivering. Go play it if you haven't played it yet. Start at the first one. It's great, and it just builds. And I'm so excited for the third one. The third one's going to be so good. How much time do we think it'll be between now and the third one? Oh, be some years. years right? Yeah, some Six years. Times. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 2028. 20, sure. Another four years. Sure. I don't, that's how I want it, though. Right. Right? But I do... Honestly, if in two years they're like, all right, let's drop Venom, I think that's perfect. Yeah. That gives you another two years for another one. Right. Great. Fantastic. So I'll play a Venom game. After that, holy yeah. Yeah. 
That was awesome. I don't know how they'll tie it with Eddie. I'm sure they'll tie it in with Eddie. That would be great. Yeah, do it. We'll see. Do it. Yeah, so. You just slow cook these things, right? Oh, don't, for sure. Don't rush them so you can keep hitting that uh, expected level of excellence. And I don't think they will. Yeah. I've been pretty impressed with Insomniac. Yeah, you'll so. your time. Yeah. Yes. That's lovely. Good things, Beans. Well, again, thanks for the recap. That's fantastic. Um, on to the next segment, which is our C-list hero or villain of the pod. So the point here is to hit up a, uh, a character, whether it be hero or villain, that most of our listeners probably have never heard of, which is great. Uh, so just for funsies, right? So I get to take the lead on this one on this pod, and I'm highlighting Lucia von Bardis. I did know this one. I was really well. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really pleased that you knew this character, um, and you know her from one of the is it Secret Alliance? Uh, Ultimate Alliance. Ultimate Alliance Two. She's the opening villain because she goes crazy and she's like, "I'm gonna bomb the United States of America." Yeah, that's how she starts. That is, <laughs> and she's a gross robot lady. Oh yeah. That's that's her move, man. Super ugly in that's, Ultimate Alliance too. Let me see if I can pull up a picture for you. But go ahead, continue. Yeah, no. Everything I've said so far is uh, extremely accurate about her. So, dear sweet Lucia, all right, she is the prime minister of Latveria. Latveria, of course, being the fictional uh, nation that has uh, gained fame because it is the the dominion of Victor Von Doom. And of course, dear sweet Dr. Doom has ruled Latveria as its dictator. However, at this point in the story, oh yeah, she said yes. Yeah, and disgusting. Yeah, yeah. This point in the story, which is the Secret War comic that I've talked about before, this is pre Civil War, okay? But this is a time, like, this would have been later 2000s when Brian Michael Bendis is just cranking out freaking top-notch Marvel content. Um, so maybe more mid-2000s, but I digress. Anyhow, Nick Fury discovers that our dear sweet Lucia, although she is the Prime Minister of Latveria and has been placed there by the U.S. government. So in other words, she has the U.S. government's full support and evidently partnership. Lucia was not as crisp and clean as he has led others to believe. She is, through the aid of your uh, your dear sweet, the Tinkerer, payrolling supervillains in the United States. Because Nick Fury starts asking a question like, wait a minute, how does this villain have this incredible tech, how can they even afford it, right? And he comes to connect the dots and realize, okay, they're getting funded by someone, and he reverse engineers it all the way back to Latveria and Lucia von Bardis. And so Dick Fury takes his findings to his superiors, the U.S. government, and says, hey, I got some bad news. Our supposed friend is actually uh, helping these villains be successful and gain more powers. And the U.S. government's like, hmm, yep, okay, hard to hear about that. Well, moving on. And they choose to literally do nothing about it. And so Nick Fury goes, all righty then. Well, I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands, recruits a super team of heroes to go and freaking assassinate Lucia. But not to assassinate her quietly. No, no. He wants to go and rip down the Latverian castle, the former home of Von Doom, 
and he does uh, destroy the castle and just drops it right on top of her. Yeah. You know, it's kind of crazy because that's legitimately Ultimate Alliance. Too. Absolutely. It's, it's absolutely. It's scene for scene. Yep. Yeah. Which good on Ultimate Alliance, too, because they yeah. drew from a phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. It, it was literally that. And then it skips a couple years later. And then that's when she's like, blow up the United States. Exactly what happened. <laughs> so because comics, even though she got crushed by a castle. Wait a minute. No, she's not dead. He's half cyborg, half human, and the uh, half cyborg part is apparently a freaking bomb. So she comes back oh, yeah, to the United right. States. It's legitimately, she's a bomb. She's like, I'm going to blow up New York City. But this is where the character of Quake gets introduced. So Daisy Johnson, a.k.a. Quake, who has the ability to cause tremors or you know minor earthquakes. And she takes down Lucia by causing a... Bremer inside of her heart. So she essentially blows up her from the inside out. It's incredible. It is. It's one of the coolest, like, takedowns ever. Yeah, it's it's really, really phenomenal. So really great story. Lucia von Bardis, hideous, but comes back from the dead. She almost takes down New York City. She, uh, yeah, she's formidable. It's honestly so. crazy how they ripped out Pretty much Secret Wars and Civil War. That's great. Was they, I mean, they like in the Ultimate Alliance because they do cover like yep. the explosion of the mm-hmm. of the uh, uh, that the raft. No, no, the teenage group of heroes oh, yeah, that yeah, die yeah, yeah, yeah. The, from uh, Nitro. Nitro's the bad guy. Um, I can't remember the. No, I can't either. Yeah, I have like roller blades and thunderbolts in my head, and neither yep. of those are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's. I keep going young something, young <laughs> new. Were they new? I got nothing. Blades. I, I don't know. <laughs> so yes. So there you go. There's your there's your C list. In this case, villainous of the pod, Lucian von Gris. Or read Secret War. It's all good. Oh yeah. And the art is fan freaking tastic. It's it's terrific. And one of the cool things, last plug I'll give to that book, the back of that graphic novel has, like, after the story ends, it has a bunch of, like, Nick Fury's files on different heroes that he's thinking about recruiting. Yeah. It's, so it's a fun, after, in other words, after you're done with the story, it's just a, another great number of hours to spend looking through notes from Nick Fury's perspective on, uh, different heroes and essentially like how willing they would be to join his team to take down Labyria. So pretty dang cool. But anywho, Miles, moving on. It was the new warriors. Oh, the new warriors. I knew it was new something. Okay. Yeah. I, I, don't, know, just... I don't know where the rollerblades came in. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just, yeah. Yeah. I knew that it would come in that handy. That encyclopedia. Finally, it, it wasn't too obscure. <laughs> Thank you, New Warriors. I'm too good for the encyclopedia. Oh. That's what we found out. I love it. You just are. You you know more than the encyclopedia knows. It's incredible. Oh. All right, Riles. Next segment on the docket is our dumb power of the... Okay, so it's really funny because this gets progressively worse. So... Uh, it's a mutant. Okay. His name is Fabio Medina. Oh. Okay. Now, originally, his name was Gold Balls. And Did you say Gold Balls? Gold Balls. Oh, my gosh. And he would just shoot Gold Balls out of his body. Oh, my gosh. Now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
That's Sounds legit. like an Austin Powers villain. Correct. Now here's here's that's not even that's not even the best part. Okay. So later on, and now the Krakoan Age of Mutants comes into play, right? All the mutants move to Krakoa, they are now their own nation. Right, right. Whatever. Right. So the mutants find a way where they can revive anyone. And there are five key X-Men. And our boy Gold Balls is one of those key X-Men. Because they find out that, hey, those gold balls he's shooting out, they aren't gold balls. They're eggs. Oh, no. No. Henceforth, he gets renamed as Egg. So... These are where the new X-Men, once they die and revive, that is where they come out of. It's his eggs. It's a part of it. Okay? He is one of the five. Those comics. So, I'm so bothered. That is my dumb power of the day. Nice, quick, and easy. Freaking in and out. Egg. So, balls. These... Five X-Men. I'm trying to remember. I know Hope Summer's involved. Um, who else is involved? I want to say Sink is involved. And then there could be two more. And this is with the kind of the process of reviving mutants on Krakoa. Correct. Right? Because when the X-Men, for lack of a better phrase, like migrate to Krakoa, like the mutant population is still relatively small, right? Like it's not... It's not as it's not at its peak. It's still working its way back from Scarlet Witch's no more mutants first, for lack right. of a better word. Yeah. Tempest, Proteus, Hope Summers, Elixir, and Egg. So Sink is not one of them. Gosh. Yes. Just what really upset I mean, there's a lot of things to be upset about. What really upsets me is that that's not a character from the nineteen seventies. That is a very recent, like within the last yes. decade in comics. And yet here we are with Egg. Yes. So, yes, all five of those X-Men have a specific role in the oh process gosh. of revival. Oh, my gosh. So That's quite uh, quite tough. Hope is always with the rebirth. Which uh, <laughs> she always is. Fine, but Egg? Well, because if you remember, Avengers versus X-Men, they bring back the mutant powers. Uh-huh. Measures versus X. Yeah. yeah. And then right. Cyclops gets rested, puts in prison, whatever, all that fun stuff. Cyclops has a little bit of a tough... They really took a shit on Cyclops they... in 2010 to 2025. I wonder who hated Cyclops at Marvel, right? Who's like, you know, I'm done with this guy. Let's make him just, you know, he, he's kind of hard to like at times, but let's make him just the worst. Let's, let's make him awful. Okay, let's just be real. They get really weird. The X Men. I feel yeah. like I feel like the X Men. They're like, let's live out weird fantasies yeah. with the X Men, because oh, yeah. like we, especially with Krakoa and look, Jonathan Hickman wrote like the the original start of the Silicon Age. Yeah, they do a weird like. So Cyclops is with Emma and with mm-hmm. Jean, but then Wolverine is also with Jean, and it's like kind of implied that you know other things happen. Mm-hmm. That's weird, dude. Yeah. They are uncomfortably weird. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. When we won't we won't go too far down this rabbit hole, but there's so much potential for those characters and for that group to not just be weird for the sake of being weird, right? Be unique. 
Absolutely. But you can be unique without being social pariahs. It's like, this is, ah. I don't get it. It's, it's, it's the same obsession Uh, that Bendis had with putting Peter Parker with Kitty pride because he really wanted to be with Kitty pride. Do you ever hear about that? That's a thing. So it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. It's comic book writers being allowed to be too weird. Okay. Uh, so, in an effort to try and bring it back to normal, so you me. Me- no, you're okay. You mentioned Jonathan Hickman. So, Hickman has written an extensive Fantastic Four run that started here in the last ten years or so. Picked up immediately after the events of, uh, sorry, not I was going to say Civil War, but no, not Civil War. After Secret Invasion, okay. So, when the Scrolls pull off, they're almost successful takeover of Earth by infiltrating the Avengers and every layer of humanity. So it is such it's been such a joy to read that I want to take a chunk of the story and just present it essentially with each uh, each podcast here for the next several weeks. So in this stage of the Fantastic Four, obviously we know Reed Richards, Sue Richards, they're married. They also have uh they have two children at this stage that are some that they're both less than 10, so they're not very old. They're exceptionally precocious, and so they're ridiculously gifted, intelligent, uh, and very powered. So there's Franklin, the son, and then there's Valeria, their daughter. So Franklin and Val is what they call her all the time. Uh, and then, of course, there's Thing and Johnny Storm, your, your steady, steady Eddies, right? So coming out of Secret Invasion, part of what made the scroll invasion possible is that Reed, as a member of the Illuminati, so along with Black Bolt, along with Iron Man, you know, Kate, Tony Stark, Doctor Strange, and Namor, I think that's Chala, Black Panther was a part of that group as well. They had inadvertently weakened Earth through numerous frankly, just bad decisions, not the least of which was telling Bruce Banner and the Hulk, hey, we're sending you into space. Bye-bye. And so Reed, upon reflection, after the events of the Civil War and the Secret Invasion, is going, all right, how, how am I getting so many things wrong? There's so much conflict, so much turmoil amongst what should be friends. How can I fix and solve everything? Big ambition, right? But Reed's a smart guy. So Reed decides to build what he calls a bridge. The bridge allows Reed to access and observe every other multiverse that is out there in an effort to gain more understanding, more data for, hey, what happens in other universes? Like, are secret invasions happening in other universes? Are civil wars happening in other universes? And so he's just trying to figure out where is the common ground and in which universes are these kind of conflicts avoided? Okay, cool. Problem is the bridge doesn't work in the way that Reed thinks it will. And when he turns it on so that he can start observing all these other universes, he pulls the rest of the Fantastic Four into random universe after random universe. They get thrust into a ancient world with dinosaurs and then there's a medieval realm and then there's freaking pirates which is hilarious with johnny storm being a pirate that's a fantastic little 
little tease there. Once Reed finally turns the damn machine off, Sue goes, you're crazy. Destroy the machine and never turn that on again. And Reed goes, sure, no problem. So he does. He takes it apart. And then he immediately puts it back together in a secret room that Sue knows nothing about because in his observations and his travels, Reed discovered the Council of Reeds. So all the other Reed Richards in the multiverse, let me rephrase that, all the most gifted Reed Richards in the multiverse got together, formed their own citadel in the middle of the multiverse to combine their various mental faculties and other powers that they have so that they could solve all the problems in the multiverse, which is as arrogant as it sounds because they're assuming that, yes, we are the smartest and best of all the entire freaking multiverse. And so you have reads with infinity gauntlets. You have reads that have uh, gone from multiverse to multiverse to essentially neuter all the dooms so they put these collars on all the dooms that destroy their higher brain function and just have this like prison full of brain dead dooms <laughs> yeah and reed's like yeah i'm gonna partner with these guys so that's uh that's that's the council of reeds interesting that's that's, that's where i'll leave us off for now but just a fascinating like very imaginative storyline but with all those characters both the original fantastic four that we're all relatively familiar with and then with the kids franklin and val part of what i appreciate is the storylines with the kids not annoying at all like they can more than hold their own they're very creative very gifted franklin's an omega level mutant. yeah franklin's an absolute freak. like a he unit can, he's a unit like the dude can make and destroy worlds as he pleases. He's God, essentially. Yeah, yeah really he is. And uh and Val uh is just like wicked smart. Just incredibly clever and uh has a lot of great personality to boot. So it's a lot of fun spending time with the characters. But Council of Reads, that's what we'll pick up next time. So there you go. There's your fantastic four update of the week or update the pie rather. What do you think, top five time? I think it's top five. Whoa. By the way, uh, great top five. Yeah, right? That, Thank you. I, that, that was, was that was impressive. Yeah. 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 So our top five, boys and girls, is the top five most surprising superhero movies that have been made roughly since 2000. We, we can go back a little bit further if we want, but you can get a little carried away and go into the 60s and 70s where it gets really strange. So we're going to try and give it that kind of rough parameter but you know there have been a number of movies that truly are astounding that they've been made uh, as a matter of fact next month we're going to have a chance to see madam webb and that'll just get added to the list of how on the flip does this kit made uh incredible so i thought it'd be you know we thought it'd be a fun topic to cover Come up with a top five of, from our perspectives, one of the five most surprising superhero movies ever made. Riley, you go first. Okay, so this one, it's going to be a little interesting because Great. you look back on it now and the characters around everywhere and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yes. That's time. Yes. 2008, here's Iron Man hits the big screen. Mm -hmm. That was a surprise to everyone. Okay, he was not a main player. Sure, he was an Avenger. 
He was, but he was not like a main like dude. Who knew who the Avengers were? Right, like, right. No one was like, oh, like Avengers movie after this. They're like, well, this was a decent. Well, it was a fantastic movie. I think everybody's like, oh, this movie was amazing. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, there's more. Right. Kim Feige, genius. So, anyways, that movie. I it it's mind boggling that that was the like the one that set everything off. Like to have Iron Man be the MCU guy to kick it off and get it going Correct. is insane to me. Yeah, that's my number five. I think it's a great pick. You know, I could talk about Iron Man for an entire podcast. Oh, same. Um, Fantastic movie. But it is like, and it's really helpful when you put it in that context of, and it's hard to imagine now because of how much the MCU has become just immersed in our culture. But prior to the Iron Man movie, there hadn't been Iron Man TV shows of note or other movies, like other iterations of the character of note. You mean Avengers? Like you said to someone in 2008 before and even before or after, frankly, it doesn't matter. The Iron Man movie is like, Hey, so who's in the Avengers? There just hadn't been. It wasn't Marvel as a cultural factor. Was it such a lesser level? Doesn't mean there weren't great comics being published. There there were some outstanding comics being published. But unless you're freaking reading the comic books, like you're not, you're not aware. You're not into it. And again, 2008. It's the same year The Dark Knight came out. And yes, the Dark Knight also is a banger, absolute banger, but it did not produce an entire freaking universe of movies. Like that's no. that's something that I think is truly incredible. That Iron Man was the catalyst for dozens of movies and shows that have come since. And the Dark Knight, for as great as it was, it's like you get one more sequel, and then that's tied off. Mm-hmm. So it takes a lot of vision with Kevin Feige. So, absolutely love that poll. Okay. For me, and really my, the list that I came up with is fairly interchangeable. I don't know if there's one that necessarily stands out, but I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Ghost Rider is my number five. Okay. With Dear Sweet Nicolas Cage. Um, I haven't seen it. I want to, though. It's been a long, long time. Uh, the, the casting, you know, Nick Cage is always entertaining. Uh, Sam, oh, hearts. I know you're talking about. Yep. Yep. I almost said Sam Neill. It's like, no, no, no. That's, that's not right. Killer stash. Incredible stash. Amazing monotone. Yeah, he plays the original Ghost Rider in that, doesn't he? Before Johnny Blaze. Doesn't he play the original? Right. Yep. Even Mendez is in there as the as the love interest for Dear Sweet uh, Sam Elliott. There we go, Sam Elliott for Nicolas Cage. But it's just like the, the character concept. Like it's not even <laughs> a, it's not an A, it's not a B. It is it a C list comic character? I no, he's badass. It, it, That's all you need to know. Right, he's got a like a cool <laughs> but uh, truly still blows me away that that character was pulled out and they're like we're gonna make this one into a movie and then we're gonna make another one <laughs> yeah, two. He had two the movie yeah by the way he got more than ben affleck's daredevil can we just 
Daredevil, the pop, more way more popular character, <laughs> and Ghost Rider got two movies, and he got one. <laughs> it's going to be a theme with some of you. Thanks of mine. There's more than the one. Okay. Okay, fair enough. So, quick on the heels of, hey, there's more than one of these, is Hellboy. Oh, wow. That's right? a good movie, though. Right. And, and it is. And that's the thing. Like, the Hellboy movie was the original the original right was really tremendous like an actual gem in the sense of this is a comic character that no one no one is going to know anything about coming into the movie and yet it does a great great job of creating a set of characters and a context you know worthwhile and engaging and so it's not just ron perlman as hellboy but the rest of that cast and their really unique characters and their and their respective abilities were were truly it was it was just entertaining, right? It's flat out entertaining. So but again, it's like who who sees that and goes, Hey, let's do a Hellboy movie. Truly, that it just bamboozled me. So that's my number four, Hellboy. I didn't even think about Hellboy. And that's, there are two of cool. them. Again, there's yeah. two. Yeah, and two. then a remake. It, it got a remake. Right. With uh, Harbor, right? Yes. And that did not do very well, from what I understand. So, my number four is a character that I thought when we saw him, it would not be in a solo movie. Mm. It would be in an Avengers movie. Mm. Uh, It was Ant-Man. The first Ant-Man. That's up there at number four for me. Yep. It was like, oh, we're getting Ant-Man. Don't know how I feel about this. Still blows me away. Yeah, it was it still well. It was the second time that I thought Marvel was going to flop for the first time. Um, but it came out, and don't get me wrong, Paul Rudd. I, by the way, I think that's what saves the movie. I think with how obscure of a character Ant Man is, choosing a very well known, loved actor that no one hates really helps it out. That is an excellent point. Like I can't think. Literally, I'm not exaggerating. I don't think there's another actor that they put in that role and it works. I would have. I just don't think there is. Honestly, if they would have went with Hank, I would have loved. Yes. The guy that, yes. the, by the way, right. the guy who plays Hank currently. Yeah. If they would have done yeah. that 20 years ago. Right. And had him play Hank. Right. I still think he would have been a perfect yeah, Hank. Yeah, Michael fan. Douglas would have been great at that time. So, like, he, I think he could nail the yeah. the complicatedness. Mm-hmm. He's, he does it anyways. Yeah. So, but... Just in aged fashion. Right. <laughs> Which is also, like, a crazy, like... Yeah. And smart move, because Hank Pym is way too complicated mm-hmm. for the MCU. Yeah. He's yeah. not a good dude. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But... Yeah. I think that is what was that movie saving grace. There's no doubt. Ahead. Yeah, there there's no doubt. There is not another actor that could make that as worthwhile as Paul Rudd did. Totally agree. Love it. Good pull. Good pull. What's your number three? My number three. It comes at a time when we're getting DC movies again. <laughs> okay. You know, like, oh man, a steel. Great. That makes sense. Superman versus Batman. I don't know why they're fighting, but okay. The first Suicide Squad oh, is a mind boggle. Yeah. Because yeah. that, I believe, came out before the first Wonder Woman, did it not? It did. We didn't get Wonder Woman. We didn't get Green Lantern. We didn't get Aquaman. We didn't get Teen Titans. We didn't get a Batman before we got the Suicide Squad. 
The first we've had two Suicide Squads. The first one, again, cool concept. The idea was there. The execution was not right. But like, right. that was their pick for like their third DC movie. That's insane. It is insane, and it's most insane and most misguided because, unlike you know, Hellboy that was just trying to operate independently, right? They're not going, we want to make a Hellboy universe. No, it's just a Hellboy story, right? And it's not trying to connect to a wider universe either. Suicide Squad is saying, hey, we're trying to connect to the existing universe, but you haven't made the universe yet. You got to make the universe before you can connect to it. Right. Do you know how more effective it would have been if they introduced a Flash movie first and you watch him fight Captain Boomerang between the yeah. first yeah. act or whatever, and yeah. he goes to prison, and at the end of it, he's walking into Walder's arms, and you see her starting to build her Task Force Correct. X. That would have hit a lot harder. Correct. Batman with Deadshot? Do you know how awesome it would have been to have Batman versus Will Smith's Deadshot? That would have been fantastic. Correct. Because it's not a matchup you see. Ever. No, it, it's not. And, and that, so yeah, conceptually, absolutely, it can work. You, you can't shoot your shot before you've built the universe that these characters like rely on for the context. It was just, oh, yeah. the timing is still so frustrating. Still so frustrating. That's my number three. Yeah. There's been two of those. There's been two Suicide Squad movies. I know. Same theme. more. Theme. There's more Suicide Squad movies than Flash movies. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah, my yeah, good lord. My number three, Ant Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like I couldn't. I can still remember when Marvel announced they were making an Ant Man movie, and I, I was so mad. It's <laughs> like, no way. Like, come on, don't, don't do it. And I, I have very much changed my tune. Like it has been worthwhile. Compared to Paul Rudd. Compared to a lot of other stuff we've done. Yes. Yes. So I have changed my tune. <laughs> it's one of the better trilogies. It, it, it is. But it's still, it still very much surprises me. That out of this pantheon of outstanding Marvel characters, Ant-Man, I, I just don't think is an elite character. And there are probably people out there that are carrying their Ant-Man torches. You know what? Good for you. I'm not like gonna argue with you and die on that anthill. <laughs> Good one. But it just truly surprised me that that's the character we're giving the tri- you know a trilogy to. But, okay. And it's better than Thor. And let that sink in. You, oh. Ouch. Yeah, truth hurts. My number two is Blade. Oh, that's a good pick. Yeah, I didn't think about. Yeah, so I'm stretching the rules here a little bit because I had originally said, "Hey, you know, from 2000 on, your first Blade movie came out in '98. It's it's close enough. It's fine." Think of how taboo it is right now for Marvel to make a R-rated movie. Uh, Allow me to give you a trilogy of hard R movies with uh, both the words and the deeds. I mean, the language is R-rated and the violence holy buckets. You got the vampire killer with a bunch of vampires and it's something that's a little 
uh, like unsettling about late nineties, like early two thousands. And I, like, I, I'm not a big, you know, this, I don't like gore violence in movies. It, there's a, I can do it. There's just certain limits for me. These movies, especially the first one, like push that limit. There's just some gross, like truly gross vampire violence in these movies. Um, now, Wesley Snipes freaking crushes it. Oh yeah, he's Blade. He is. He's hundred percent Blade. So I don't know. I seriously, I don't understand how this happened. How a Blade movie again? Who's gonna know who that is? I think it has everything to do. It's kind of the Paul Rudd Ant Man effect. With listen, Wesley Snipes in the late nineties was a big enough deal that you put him in an action movie. It just turns out it's about a comic book character. People are gonna go see it, and so it worked and turned into a trilogy. But Blade, my number two. Fun fact: They're making a Blade video game. Fun fact: It actually looks kind of dope. Anyways, yeah, doesn't have to be bad. That could be good. Could be really good. Dang it. Okay. Okay. There you go. So my number two, mm-hmm. and you're gonna be like, "That's your number two. What's your number one?" Okay. Morbius. Mm-hmm. Morbius is my number two. Mm-hmm. How the hell did that movie get made? I'm still confused. Doesn't make any sense at all. Okay, Venom. I get it's a Spider-Man. One makes a hundred percent sense. You make Correct. a trilogy out of Venom. I'm all on board. I love me Venom, but out of all the Spider-Man rogues gallery, after Venom, in a draft, let's say we're drafting Spider-Man villains to make trilogies on. Morbius yeah, ain't going in the draft. He's a free agent. Oh my gosh. And he's lucky to be in the league. <laughs> he gets picked up. Even allowed. Like he only gets picked up because of the three other choices you pick bomb. Everything <laughs> you're saying is a hundred percent correct. We just spent a good chunk of time talking about three different Spider-Man games and Insomniac has released and has, has our dear sweet Morbius been a villain in any of those? Nope. And that's really okay. Because Hasn't he's popped not up. Worthwhile. He might pop up in the third one, but I don't care if he hop, pops up in the third one. There's way too many other interesting Spider-Man villains. It's just not, no, it's just not worth it. Just not worth it. Well, actually, after this third one, then I could see like the Jackal and Morbius coming in, but this besides the point. Right. So. Right. No, seriously. It, it's a half. Okay. I'm going to go a little out of order here. Morbius is my number one. Okay. Yeah. That's my number one. So I'm delighted to hear what your number one is. But the reason I'm going out of order is because I was looking over at my list and I wrote down Mobius instead of Morbius. <laughs> oh. I left out the R. I'm like, Mobius. So I'm actually really glad he went first because I definitely said Mobius, the movie. <laughs> sorry, and, Wilson. And that's not fair to I'm Owen. Sorry. No. So as soon as you said Morbius, I'm like, Mor- oh, yeah, of course, Morbius, not Mobius. Good grief. Oh, my gosh. So I can just share that little nugget, but oh. I, I, I'm right there with you. I have no idea why that movie got made. No idea. It's it's still crazy to me. It was as bad as it should have been. So, Miles, what's your number one? Well, what's your number two? Oh, my number two? Yeah. No, my number two is Blake. My number two that was Blade. your number two? Yep. Yeah, my number two is Blade. So Oh, so Ghost Rider number five. Hellboy uh, number four. So Jimmy I went three. two and then you went you one. So you yeah. skipped my one. Yep, yeah, yeah, I skipped your one. So Hellboy was three, Blade is two, 
Or be a snack. The confused. So, oh, yes. my number one was the first time I was ever stumped. I was ever stumped by a movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember being in school. Yeah. And this is, I was like, I was the comic book kid. Sure. Okay? I was kind right. of a geek. Right. That's great. Right. Fantastic. That's great. So, I knew a lot of characters because I remember one summer I spent in my entire summer on the computer learning every single character, oh. A through Z, yeah. Marvel wise. Yeah. I got to S. That's impressive. So, Anyways, that's really good. sweet brag. Everybody calm down. Okay. <laughs> My number one, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. The first yes. one. This is it's what it's a great pull. This movie, when it came out, I was like, this is Marvel's first bond. I remember my buddy, one my one of my best friends at the time, yep. was like, hey, dude, Guardians, what's this Guardians of the Galaxy movie all about? I was like, I have no idea. He's like, what? He's like, I have no idea. I've never heard of it. He's like, he's relying on you because you're the guy. Yeah, and he's like, yes. really? I was like, never heard of it in my life. Yes. So we both went in there, like, not knowing what to expect. And we probably got, and this might be a bold comparison, but to me, Guardians of the Galaxy is my generation Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It is our galaxy out in space. It's, that's our Star Wars. It's our Star Trek. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what it is for us, is yes. Guardians of the Galaxy. It was that unique take right. on a band of misfits yeah. that no one thought would ever do anything good. Yeah. And they made it a banger. One of the, it's, the best trilogy in all of Marvel is Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. It's not close. Mm-hmm. It's not close. Mm-hmm. It's the only one. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't disagree at all. And... I thought about that while I was making my top five, and it. I don't know why it's not in my top five. Picked other movies, but I love that it's your number one because, especially in the context of. Of what? I mean, there aren't even good Guardians of the Galaxy comics that exist for the makers of that movie to draw from and go, hey, this, you know, this is a really inspiring story. We're going to kind of form our tale around that. Like, truly, it took a lot of creativity for our guy James Gunn and his associates to go, all right, so here's the characters we're going to use, but we're going to twist this, tweak that, to make them worthwhile and then to give them three straight stories that were worth telling. Well, that's incredible. And I will say this too, right? The movie is about a a pack of misfits, yes, right? Yes. That was the cast. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. your biggest sure. actor was voicing a raccoon. Yep. All right, his Very his face so. was not there. Very much. This so. is what your second biggest was voicing a tree that said three words. Correct. <laughs> this this movie catapulted Chris Pratt into what he is today. Correct. Hundred percent. Correct. Zoe Saldana, great actress. Yeah. I think Avatar probably has established her already before that. True, yeah. She had Star Trek and Avatar. But she wasn't she's like... Right in there with, you know... She's she still wasn't like an well A-lister. Than, Brad, than Bradley Cooper and right. Vin Diesel. But still more so than Chris Pratt. Yeah. And Batista was a WWE superstar. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. And now look at it. Yep. He is like a yep. serious actor now. How does it happen for all those WWE guys? Like my Blade trilogy that I referenced earlier, Triple H. He's in the third Blade movie. Is he really? Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. He's still he's still wrestling. That's what he does. Yeah, he, he's not he's not a movie star. Are you a vampire? 
Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. He and Ryan Reynolds have some phenomenal, phenomenal scenes together. I love that oh, so it's, much. Yeah, yeah. Really, if you don't watch any of the Blade movies, watch the third one because of Ryan Reynolds. Oh, I love he's him. Just, oh, yeah. he's he's a freaking delight. But you're absolutely right. Like the cast of the Band of Misfits, James Gunn, like he hadn't done anything that any of us knew about. Yeah. Or know about even well, now. Besides Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed, he wrote that. So okay, fantastic. Kudos. That was the movie of my childhood. Yeah. Anyways, uh, he was a producer on those movies. And that's one of those just wonderful delights when everything on the surface says this shouldn't exist, but then it exists, and it's awesome, right? Like it is such a such a pleasant, not just even a pleasant surprise, but just an unexpected. Uh, addition to the library of hey this is what I enjoy like that's that's truly wonderful mm-hmm. yeah really great love that number one pull on your part Riles all right my guy well done I think that's it I think we're wrapping yeah let's wrap it up what? wrap that gift up on that note Godspeed peace. <laughs>